But speaking of biggest fans, you got you after you do the commish, you get uh, you do high incident and get a fucking fan letter from Steven fucking Spielberg. Yes, girl. Yes, I have it on my wall right up oh, there. It is unbelievable. I could not believe it. I got a so so ABC did not pick up the spinoff, which was two hours. It was starring me and Michael Chickalis and my little sister played my daughter in it, by the way. Um, and uh, ABC signed me to a development deal. Right. So this series, High Incident, had come up and uh, Denise Chamian was casting it and um, they bring me in um, and I auditioned for the first role and I didn't get that one. So they they write a different role. And um, I came, I went in and I auditioned for that one. So the first role, they, they cast a Caucasian actress. And then the second role, they cast my friend Anjanou Ellis, who's an incredible African-American actress. And so then they write this other role for Jessica Helgado, because I really do think that, you know, Charlie Haid at the time who was doing the show, he wanted me to be on the show. So they brought me in. I, I auditioned for Jessica Helgado and Charlie and Denise Chamian tell me, okay, so Steven Spielberg wants to meet you. We're going to fly you to LA. And I was like, oh my God, what? I would die. I would die. I was dying. I was dying. I was dying. So they, I get to LA. I get to LA. Denise Chamian. Uh huh. Uh huh. Wait, drive me. Yeah. What? Tell me. What? No, I just want to know. Do do you, what are your parents? Are you like, oh my God. Like, what? we're all freaking out. We are all freaking out because, you know, obviously he's one of my favorite directors of all time, you know? Um, and and, and so, were you married at this time? No. Yes, I was married and I had my first son already. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, Jay and I got married at like 24. I was going to say, your mother let you go to L.A., but you're married yeah, already. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I've lived ten, nine lives already. So anyways, um, I go to LA, Denise Chamian drives me to Amblin Entertainment and I go in and yeah, by myself. And they call me into this conference room and I'm sitting there and they're, they're like, Steven will be in just a little bit. I thought I was going to, you know, Are have you to alone? I'm you alone. Talking? I'm alone. I thought I might have to audition. I didn't know what was going to happen. So all of a sudden I'm sitting there, I'm looking out the window. I'm like, I'm in freaking Steven Spielberg's right. office right now about to meet him. It's just going to be him and I. Well, well, I, I, I imagined that it was. Right. Who walks in but Steven Spielberg in a little hat with a you know a couple of like, yeah. hats and, and stuff. He's like, hey, Lise, how you doing? I'm so happy to meet you. I was like, oh my God, how are you doing? And at that time, by the way, because I was still living in New York, I had a very heavy New York accent. Right, right, right. They're like, hey, you know, what's up, Stephen? Nice to meet you. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm, you know. And he was like, so he was like, I just wanted to talk to you. And this now I was like, yeah, let's talk, you know. So we start chatting. He's asking me about living in New York and whatnot. And then finally he says to me, I can see you as a cop. And I was like, so can I. I think I'm a cop. And that was it. The next, I think it was later that day, or I think it was later that day, Denise Chamian called me up and said, you got the role. You're moving to LA. Okay. And first that of is all, the jump started. 
Okay, I have 800 questions about this. How long did you talk to him, like, in this office? I would say I was there for at least um, 40 minutes. Never happens anymore. Okay. I know. Um, And this is another thing, sign of the times. You leave that office, a ball of fucking nerves, and you have to wait. Yes. no cell phone. There's no cell phone. Right. So you, what do you do? Right. Did you have a beeper at the time? Like, what I was dying. no, no, no. I was just at that time. You know what? I was staying at the at a hotel, and Denise Chamian, you know, called me on my phone Didn't from my room. Go back to your room. And you had to sit in your room the whole day, right? Waiting. Well, to- she dropped me back off at the hotel. She was right. literally driving me to and from the audition. Never happens again. She, yeah. she did that. She was so incredible. That's so no, great. She was incredible. And by the way, when I moved to LA, her mother was a realtor and found me the house that I rented. They took care of me. Like you, I was, it was just crazy. It's crazy. No, I love but you found me. out and you were so, alone uh, in your room? I was in my room alone. And, and of were- course I start calling everybody. I was so excited. And each phone call was probably like $50 at the time. That time. You that that time. Time. And you were probably like, fuck it. That, yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care. I was so like. Excited. It was so exciting. It was so, so exciting. So then was it really hard for you to move to LA? Like, was that a, I mean, I know you were going for work, but was it a bad, hard yeah. transition? No, you know what? Um, I, I, we had some friends. My husband had a friend here and him and his wife. I mean, um, my, his wife and I got very close. So she let us move into her house. They let no. us move into their house um, with my little boy. My grandmother came to be my nanny and I had a dog and we all moved in uh, and uh, I had to start shooting right away. So I didn't even have a place. And then uh, uh, during the weekend, uh, Denise, Denise and her mom drove me around trying to find a place for me to, to live. And we wow. finally did. And I moved in with my, you know, son at the time was three years old. And uh, my grandmother was my nanny. She was. Oh, you know, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother, God bless her. My grandma, Carmen, who's passed, you know, uh, a few that's years great. ago. Um, yeah. When I told her, what am I going to do? You know, oh, my God, who's going to take care of my baby? Like, I got to figure this out. My grandmother was like, I nana. No, don't worry about it. I'm going, I'm coming with you. I have, that's my supportive family though. That's, that's, that's so how my family beautiful. is. They're like, so was, did your mother freak out when you moved? She was a little bit freaked out that I had to leave, you know, but I mean, I had lived away from her before, so she right, had gotten right, used right. to it a little bit, so but um, I think it was more my sisters that were freaking out. Who my are sisters both and I so successful. So you have, you have this career, you're known as someone who thinks women can have it all and which I love about you and that you, you know, that, that work ethic of like, you know, you want something you got to work for. Like if you want it all, you got to fucking create it yourself, which is such a fuck. You're so fucking emotionally healthy. I can't take it. You're like an emotionally healthy actor. What the fuck is that? And you love portraying. hilarious. It's not like, always. Not always. I, I have my moments. I have my moments. All right. I have, you know, here's, here's what I always say. It takes a village. It takes a village to right. have it all. I have a very supportive husband who's always encouraged me for the, for the most part, unless I was going to do something where, 
you know, he didn't feel good about it. Um, you know, my, my parents have always helped me. My sisters have always helped me. It takes a village because my mother had a village, you know, my mother was a working mother, right. you know, and so my grandmothers helped her, you know, um, and that's how it was. We help each other. And right. I really feel like you have to, first of all, uh, make sure that if you fall in love with somebody, that they're your friend, that they support your dreams and, um, you know, marriage is not hunky dory all the time. Relationships are really hard, yeah. but Jay and I, you know, we have a very strong love bond and we're right. good friends. And so we work through things and I really t- try to help people understand that, that it takes a lot of, I know, cause everyone wants this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, marriage humor. is not easy. It's so humor, lots of humor, lots of laughing, laughing, you know, and, uh, and the village. So right. as my career grew, my village grew and, you know, my support base was there, you know, so, so that's important. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and literally, you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you get diagnosed with breast cancer. I hate to bring it down, but, uh, and it's so fascinating because your aunt had it, your mother had it, 
and you get diagnosed a week after your sister. Two weeks Um, after, yep. She got diagnosed and then I got diagnosed. And I love, you know, what you say about a mammogram because, you know, can you tell everyone because, you know, I get, I also get a mammogram and a um, uh, ultrasound uh, when I get my breast examined and women need to get their fucking, I have so many friends who are like, I don't want the radiation. I don't want this. Okay. Enjoy, you know, but yeah. it, it's so important that I'm touching my breasts as we discuss this. It, I have my hands on <laughs> mine too. Okay. Yeah. And, but can you right. just tell people, you know, about just, it's so, I yeah. don't know, so empowering. Yeah. Can you, yeah. You know, it, it's, Fear is a powerful thing, you know, and fear plays with our minds. And I understand that, but we have to conquer that fear and, 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 you know, and just, it's, it's, it's best if we find out about something earlier than later. And that's what I try to talk about. And that's why I believe in, in the ultrasound, because that's what found my cancer early, my mother's cancer, my sister's cancer, even my aunt's cancer, like they found it early, but her lump, she, you know, she had already had a bigger lump, but thank God, you know, she, she lived through that. But, um, I, I feel like women are so afraid that they, they understandably, so they make excuses, you know, or they avoid. And then that's the issue. Like, because when it's too far along, that's when it's more difficult. That's when it can be more dangerous so that the ultrasound, you know, I'm trying to push for insurance companies to, to cover ultrasound for women to demand ultrasound because that's when you see it more clearly when it's early. It's like looking for a snowflake in a snowstorm. And that's what the thing is, you know, when the snowflake is a snowball, that's not good. You know? So the, the idea is to get this thing when it's, when it's much uh, uh, smaller and much earlier and the ultrasound sees it. Right. Um, Especially like if you know that this runs in your family or you have that gene, you know, um, for us, it ran in our family. We don't have the BRCA gene, but you know, my mother was always on top of us. Like, uh, you did you go for your mammogram? Did you this? Did you- right. Do you think it was, huh? was it a cluster thing? Like, did anyone else in your neighborhood, like, was it, uh, or is it, do you think it's genetic? No, I think that, I think it's genetic for me. I think it's genetic. Uh, the doctors feel like we might have some other gene. They, we, they tested all of us, took our blood, wow. but never to, to figure that out by the way. Right. But, um, it, 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 it is, you know, it can be hereditary and sometimes it's not, you know, we right. all went through double mastectomies because the, the thing, the good news was that because we found it early, uh, it had not spread to our lymph nodes. Right. So uh, both, all our doctors recommended just removing the breasts, both breasts so that we don't have to worry about right. it. Why, why have that hanging on your head all the time? Did exactly. you get tested um, two weeks after your sister because of your sister? Here's what's crazy. Okay. When I went to see my sister, I had some discomfort in my lower abdomen and I thought, wow, I, I might have a UTA infection. I don't know what's going on. Right. Um, then I was there with my sister when the diagnosis came through, she got the call that it was cancer and this, that, and the other thing. Um, and I just, I had 
my mammograms and, and ultrasound scheduled anyway. Right. Um, but what the crazy thing was that um, I called my doctor and I was like, hey, um, I'm having this issue and this and that. He says, you know what? Come, no. just come in. When you get back from San Francisco, come in and we'll just, you know, do, do the whole shebang because I was going to have to leave anyway to go shoot Being Mary Jane, the right. show that I was doing at the time. And while I was there, he said to me, there's nothing going on. I don't know why you're feeling this discomfort. I'm not really sure, you know, but let's just keep looking. I'll, I'm going to do your ultrasound now. And that's when he found, he found my cancer. Did he say, did you see it in his face or did he tell you right then? My OBGYN, he, first of all, I told him about my sister and he was really sad to hear about that. And he was upset about that. And he, and he always takes his time anyway. Right. But this time around, I felt like he was really taking his time doing my ultrasound. And I wasn't even looking at him at the time, but I, and I'm always nervous and scared. Right. Yeah. And he says to me, Oh, what is this? And I was like, what? Oh no. Yeah. And he was like, mm, well, I don't, this doesn't look right to me. He says, well, he said, just, just stay calm. He said, if this is anything we've got, we found it early, but he says, I want you to get this biopsy right away. This doesn't look right. And I just thought, I even said to him, I was like, come on, come on, doctor. Like, this can't be. My sister can't be. I just, my sister, come on. This is, are we overreacting? Like I could, right, right, right. my head was spinning and I was, uh, um, it was Dr. Paul Crane. I was, I was due to, for my appointment with Dr. Christy Funk from Pink Lotus Clinic. And, um, and he said, if they can't biopsy this in the next, you know, day or so, then, then I'll do it myself. Um, I, wow. I left there, I called my husband and I said, listen, Dr. Crane just found something, um, something he's, he wants it biopsied and I have right. to get into the clinic, but you know, I, I, my, my appointment is not, is like six months from now or something crazy like that. My husband said, hang, hang up the phone. I'll call you right back. He called the clinic. He called me back. He was like, come pick me up. We have an appointment at 1 PM. Wow. <laughs> like not playing. Right. We went there. Um, Dr. Christy Funk com uh, confirmed it. Um, you know, I, I told her where the area was and she saw it and she confirmed that we needed to do a biopsy. She took two, just two biopsies. And then a few days later, I, um, you had inv invasive ductal carcinoma, that's right. but I really feel like I was supposed to go to my OBGYN, um, uh, because he was so meticulous right, right, about right. my breast health and he was supposed to find it. So I feel like it was, it was God saying, yeah, I'm giving you this so that he can find this. So how does that change you as a person? Like you're fine, you're cancer free, but do you think about it? Like all the time, like, does a day go by or like, how do you, it, well, it must've changed you so much. It did change me a lot. I was going through some very difficult stuff with my older son at the time. Um, cause he's, you know, he has drug, drug problem. And, um, I've talked about that right. and, um, uh, I was going through hell with him. And then I was shooting a, a very difficult show being Mary Jane, having to travel, having yeah. to be away, you yeah. know, in Atlanta, away from my kids. 
it was a lot of stress on me. And I think stress is the worst thing. It just adds a, 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 a factor that is really bad if you're predisposed to something. Right, you right, know? Right. So obviously that didn't help. So I'm a person like, you know, I take everything in so deeply and I feel so deeply that I was really messed up inside. And I think that that has a lot to do with my, the way my body was responding. So what cancer did for me um, was, first of all, I was super grateful that I had caught it early and I wanted to live in that gratitude and know what that was like. Yeah. And I had decided that I was going to live every day of my life as joyfully as I could, and that I was not going to allow life's circumstances to destroy me. And um, that I was going to, I got much more connected with my spirituality, with my higher power, God. And I just, I, I knew I needed to change from the inside out, like my thinking and my reasoning and right. You know, the way I took life in, life experience, you know? So it does change you. And some people, you know, some people, um, you know, have a much harder time with it and they go through much more suffering. I have to say, like, I opted for the easy way out, right. which was to take them off. I didn't have which to go so through. so many people would not think is the easy way would out. Would not think is yeah. the easy way out. But uh, for me, I was like, my, my husband was like, look, you get some fake titties, it's all good. He was like, they'll be fabulous. Yeah. I was like, I guess so. You know, I mean, your head is spinning at that moment, right? You're just yeah. trying to make the best choices. But um, absolutely, at the end of the day, um, I really have decided to put me first a lot more than I used to and to take care of myself a lot better than I used to. And like I said, to just enjoy my life and to, right. to, to listen to my heart and my intuition and then go with it. I love that. I love that. That's, uh, um, you, you learned, you said you learned from your acting teacher, how to be private and public, which I thought was when I read that and I thought, how did I never think of that? But it's true. You're like an actor who has this, you know, people probably see you and like, Oh my God, I love you. I love you. I, you know, cause you've done so much stuff, but like, how do you maintain that, that privacy? And, like, what, how do you learn to do that and be kind and rewind? Well, I think, I think that, you know, I like to be true to myself. And right. I, I like to live my life in a way, I hate to use the word open book, but kind of an open book in that, I want to really translate that I'm a human being first. Right, right. I'm just another person. That what I do is my craft and it's my job, but it doesn't define everything about me and who I am in right. life in general. I'm many things. And so I feel like I like to make myself as relatable as possible. And my acting teacher used to say, once you lose the humility of being human, you cannot be a great actor. Wow. I kind of call this guy. So Anthony Apeson, Tony Apeson, he, he told us so many things that were so incredible. And he used to say, you can't lose that humility because then you, you don't, you don't understand. Right, the you're not, anymore. Right, if, you, if you're on a head trip and you're like, how can you understand? Right. Yeah. It's you like know. comics who become really famous and they're like, they're not funny anymore. Cause they're not living in the world that we all live in, you know? 
and you can't engage anymore, right? You can't right. even engage with someone who's on a different level than you. You right. have to be able to, to, to keep that, you know, level of humanity so that people can relate to you so that you can understand right. you know, what you need to connect to when, when, when you tell a story, which is what we do as actors, you right. know, we tell stories and, you know, so, um, so right. I like to live my life that way. And that's, that's what, that's what it's so about. Inspiring. I can't take it. I am obsessed with your, uh, you seeing a ghost. When oh, you were yeah. Because you know, I just, I, that was fucking like, so your mother, so your mother's friend had died and then. My best friend had died. I was 12 years old. Wow. My mother had just had my brother and he was newborn and it was right. very traumatic. And I won't go into the details of that, but it was my mother's best friend. And my mother was traumatized. We were all traumatized. And I'm, I'll never forget the night she died. You know, my literally, she had only been home like maybe a week or so. And she left me there with my baby brother and my sister, my sister, Tanya, who's my middle sister, because she had to go run to uh, identify her friend and to, you know, see how she can help with my dad. Oh my God. How did she die? She fell off a balcony. It's a really traumatic story. Okay. 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 No, we're not going there. Yeah. It was really, really terrible. So anyways, um, at the time, you know, there were a lot of things that happened that right. where we felt Maria's spirit. Wow. It was really powerful. And I wouldn't, I call it, I like to call it more spirit. It wasn't like just your know, ghosts. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It was a very spiritual thing. And I remember, um, I remember seeing a figure in my room and it was the figure of Maria. And it was as if, so I was very scared, but my mother explained to me that, you know, that it was a good, that it, right. was good. it wasn't a bad thing. And, but I know what I saw. I, oh, I totally believe. Uh, yeah, of course. And it was it's so really good that your mother didn't freak out. And like, you know. She, yeah. At first, like something's happened to her where it was freaky and she was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But she understood that, you know, it wasn't a bad thing. It was Maria. Oh. All of us because it was so traumatic the way she died. We're dedicating this episode to Maria. Oh, um, thank you. Here you are, uh, you're on this new, I can't fucking, I can't, you're in this great new show. Are you happy? Like how do you, this fucking quarantine shit, like how is it being, cause usually you'd be going on every talk show, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we gotta take photos and we gotta blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What's going on, like. You know, you- at first it was, it was, at first it was like, you know, it. I felt very flustered about it. I felt kind of like, oh my God, what does this mean? Like what, what's happening right now? Like I just, I, I was in a little bit of a, of a frenzy in the sense of like, you know, how's this going to affect our show? And, you know, wow, all those wonderful things that you get to be a part of, you know, not going to be able to be a part of it. We were supposed to have this big premiere in Miami, big premiere here and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, but it's those moments that where, when you don't have control and you just have to be still and trust. And for me, it was like, well, Lisa, you know what? 
again, I come from a spiritual place. God is working on something. He's got a plan bigger oh, than yeah. us. Bigger than all of us. And this is a perfect mm-hmm. moment for all of us to realize you are not in control. And so in so many ways, the right. only thing we can right. control is ourselves, our own behavior and not engaging and, you know, being right, to right. Protect people think of thinking of someone other than ourselves. But I almost said, well, you know, as scary as this whole thing is and as awful as it is, I am finding the gratitude in the fact that people are home watching television and possibly tuning into our show right? and, and getting something good out of it in the right. midst of all and this. Also, it's, I feel like it's like God or whomever or whatever is saying, stop. Just yes. fucking stop. You're out of fucking control. Yeah. Stop. Stay home. You know, like, yeah, it's true. You realize you don't have the shit you do. You don't need to do. And like, right. I like we're doing this. I would never get to interview you. I would never get to interview you in person. You know, like if, unless you were in New York. So I just, it's so, it's a gift in a way, you know? <laughs> It, it, it is, you know, and I don't, I, I really don't mean to like lessen the blow of, oh, I have cool. friends who have had it, you know, right. I have friends who have lost loved ones right. uh, from it. So I don't mean to lessen that blow and the sympathy and compassion that, that I feel. And I know you feel the same way, um, you know, toward these, you know, these kinds of situations and towards all, all these people. Um, uh, and yet I can still sit back and say, well, thank you for the blessing of the time with my family. Thank you for the blessing of, of, of being home and being still. Right. After I've been away for five months shooting and right. didn't get being together. time with yeah. my daughter. Yeah. Right. And, and just enjoying, by the way, Julie, just enjoying going outside and walking around and seeing clumps of families walking together, bicycle riding. Waving. And appreciating it, and I not fucking time together, and playing right. board games together, and doing things together, and my, you know, all of us being outside and swimming right. in the pool, you know, those kinds of things. Like, and 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 in the same breath, like being conscientious of those who are suffering because they they're not working, who are in a desperate situation, who you know, who are relying on their work. Every right. day of work is important for their income and just praying for They're them. putting their lives on the line for us. That's right, exactly. Those people who are driving trucks, delivering packages, nurses, doctors, technicians, right. you know, uh, 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 hospital workers, people working in, in shopping yeah. centers. Like, thank you, thank you, all of you, all right. of you. So, I so agree. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. I'm so grateful that we get to say thank you to them in this time because we don't say thank you enough. Right. And this That's, is a time yeah. when we are realizing the importance of those people who are not celebrated the way right. they should be. You know? uh, I love you. I, I love, love you. Too. I love you too. <laughs> But it's okay. the truth, right? It's the yeah, truth. It it's like, you. it takes you out of yourself. You're like, oh, what I do affects other people. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, exactly. Exactly. I always ask two questions of my guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, because we're very pro mental health on my show. Because mm-hmm. I have anxiety. I have depression. I have it all. Because I'm a Jew and I'm a Jew. And my <laughs> grandparents were cousins. So I'm a Jew. Uh, so, uh, what do you do to keep 
pro mental health. I know you're very spiritual. Have you ever been on antidepressants or anti-anxiety? We're very pro whatever it fucking takes. Yes. Yes. I have not been on, um, medication. Um, uh, but you know, my son has had to take it cause he had a lot of anxiety issues. Um, to tell you the truth, um, I exercise a lot. Exercise yeah. is really important for that. Mm-hmm. Like it's a release for me. It all, it, yeah. it completely gets my endorphins going. Right. And again, honestly, Julie, I, I start my day off. Like I sit by my window seat and I have my little corner in the house and uh-huh. I have my quiet time with my cup of coffee I and I like to start my day off. First of all, being grateful, thanking God for my life, right. living in the moment right. day by day. That's why one day at a time is right. so relevant. Right. And, and just praying about my, my, the start of my day, you know, God help me be in a good place, you know, bring goodness to me and let me be goodness to someone else. Right. Starting your day out that way and then going and exercise, go for a walk, go for a bike right. ride, go for, do something that gets you out of, of yourself in the sense that I find like a lot of anxiety and a lot of, of, of these kinds of issues sometimes are because we're so intertwined in our right. own heads and in our own selves that we forget to be unselfish so that we feel like we have greater purpose. Right. Right. And we can give back. We can do something for somebody else that makes right. us feel good. It makes us feel useful or, right. you know, or, or we, a lot of anxiety is also about control. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't control this. So right. it's giving me anxiety. And then some, so what I've learned, by the way, going back to what you asked me, how it's changed to me, I don't have control and right. I practice the trust and the faith that God's plan is better and bigger than I am. And I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And, and I'm going to be able to handle it and, one day at a time. Yeah. And you see how people are reacting to this, not having control over this and you yep. see who's who, you know, <laughs> hey, hello. I told my husband the other day, I was like, baby, I got to get out of the house. I'm going stir crazy. Yeah. I've been on social media promoting the show. Right. Tons of, you know, and I just, we went out for a drive. We just went out for a drive. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just got to do that. We'll go for a walk, bike ride, whatever, you know? Yeah. You got to fucking take care of yourself. Yeah. 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 Here's my other question. You, you know, my podcast is called Kill Me Now because like everything annoys me and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) kill me now. So what pisses you off more than anything? Like makes you fucking crazy. Like what fucking gets you? What makes you so mad? I think what pisses me off and what makes me crazy is disrespect. Yeah. When people are disrespectful to other people, when people are selfish, um, especially to like waiters and bus drivers and like, just say fucking thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're not better than anyone else because you're, you have more money or a better job. Like I fucking like when I do, You're probably like that. Like if I do a TV show or something, it's like, I want to know the crew. I already know all the actors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, disrespect, right? right? I feel like everybody's important. Everybody should get the same attention. You know, your attention. You should be kind to everyone. Right. You know, you shouldn't pick and choose who you're going to be kind to. It's just those, I have, those are my pet peeves. Like, you know, someone thinking they're so above and being mean. Fucking annoying. Yeah, that 
I know people. someone who does that every day at a, at a press briefing. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All right. I tell you. So, so that's my, that's, yeah. that's my peppy. That's my, that's my, that's the thing that will make me go. I call it hood. I go hood on you. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're taking me out of my element of, yeah, of right. you know, keeping, you know, yeah. a certain persona going. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't have tolerance for it. Yeah. I'm the same way. I cannot thank you enough. Like you are a bright star. You're so fucking talented. I'm so happy that you work all the time. I'm so excited for this show. It's going to be you. so I know. great. I hope we get to talk again after you've seen the whole thing because I can't wait for you to see the whole thing, honestly. I want that bottle of prisoner wine that's right behind you so bad. Oh, oh yeah. You got my... <laughs> this, is, this is my setup here because this is like the best reception in my house. And oh, everybody talks about, oh, Lisa, then you're in your liquor cabinet. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's the best reception I have in the house. It's so funny because some people are like, you know, so wealthy and they're doing it in their big fat. And it's like, no, honey, go in the bathroom, asshole. You know, don't like, you know, you got to be a little humble. But um, I'm coming over for a drink. I'm looking at all that alcohol. That's Come on awesome. over. Come on over. My husband's a, a, uh ex-bartender. He used to have his own uh, bar restaurant. So... <gasps> He can I'm make in. you any drink. Jay Cohen, baby. Jay, Jay Cohen, baby. Um, <laughs> I thank you so, so much. This was like thank such you. an honor. You're such a star and you're such a good person and your message is fucking amazing and you're gorgeous. Thank you. Fuck you about that. <laughs> um, you, I feel the love. I feel yes. the love. All right, good. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the incredible Lisa Vidal. How amazing was that? If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing, amazing podcast. Five stars only, please. Thank you. Also, if you enjoy my opinion, which if you're listening, I think you do. My new book, Yes, I Can Say That, When They Come for the Comedians, We're All in Trouble. It's now available for pre-order. It'll be released on July 28th. So pre-order now anywhere you get your books. And in case you need convincing, I'll quote my dear friend, Amy Schumer, who said, no one makes me laugh harder than Judy Gold. If I had to pick one comedian to write a book about free speech, it would be Judy. And hello. So there you go. It would mean so much to me if you would check it out. And all pre-order links are on the homepage of judygold.com. So you get to check out my website. Oh, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. Anyway, as always, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming viral dates at judygold, at J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew Gold. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast, for listening. I hope you're all safe and well. And as we always say, so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.